0: If you've seen your bulletin, you know that everyone is a keeper, and that's what we're preaching on today, and we're going into the book of John chapter 17, verse 11. This is a verse of scripture Pastor Steve used in prayer meeting, and all of you were here for that, and I just am repeating that. Now I no longer am in this world, but these that are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me that they may be one as we are one. He says, keep them together. Let them also be joined together as you and I are one. Father, I pray today that you would anoint us. Pray, God, that you'd move in our hearts and stir us with your power and with your love. And Father, we'll just thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I got a lot that I want to say, and I'm going to try to say it quickly. It's been about, oh, many months now. Greg was teaching on a Wednesday night, and he said something. And let me just issue this warning to you. Never come to church and clam up and think I've heard it all. I've been in church all my life, raised in church, and there's always something new to be discovered. And Greg was up teaching, and he said something that really struck a chord. I've been carrying it, letting it marinate all the way through until today. And he made this statement. He said, "We have no choice when it comes to choosing our brothers and sisters." Now you can choose your friends. Some of you choose your wife and choose your husband and but that choice kind of dissipates. It may go wherever. But when it comes to brothers and sisters, I'm always when I said that, I'm always reminded of the peanuts cartoon where, what is her name, Lucy, that goes trickle-treating for her brother, who's Linus is waiting for the great pumpkin to come, and she's thinking of her brother. Well, we within the church, if you remember, maybe you don't, but when I was raised up in church, we greeted one another as brother and sister. There are still some of you. When I meet you, one guy sitting over there in a blue shirt, I call him Brother Weed. You know, I just do that. But we are all brothers and sisters within the body of Christ. Let me just give you a warning label here. You have no choice in the matter. Just like Greg said to us, you can choose to have this one as your friend or no, this one's not going to be my friend. But when it comes to the body of Christ, that's your brother, that's your sister, and I'm being blunt as a bulldog, let's say it like, just live with it. Genesis chapter 4 verses 9 through 10, and it says there, then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? He says, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Well, this is where we're focusing our message. We're going to share some thoughts about the fact of everyone is a keeper. It's on the bulletin. You need to look at one another and say to the person next to you, you may not know them, But look at them and say, you're a keeper. You're a keeper. That feels good. When I lived in Virginia, we had the great James River that flowed out of Richmond, and they would fish for striper. Striper's a good fish you could only catch two of them but the fact of the matter is you could only use one that's 24 inches long about that much if you didn't he wasn't 24 inches throw him back in the water well tape measures don't come in church you don't measure someone up and say oh yeah yeah we'll keep you but we're not going to keep you there's no throwbacks Sir, you're a keeper. We don't measure. It's the fact that every one of us is a keeper. And if you brought your measuring tape with you, take it home. I've been in some churches. Boy, they bring that tape measure out. Mm Mm-hmm, yeah, uh uh-huh, no. It doesn't work here. Take it and run over by a car and mash it up because we don't measure one another within the house of God. Keep your tape measure at home when it comes to your brother and sister in Christ. They may not measure up to your way of thinking, but guess what? It's not your tape measure that God's using. Everyone is a keeper for the fishers of men. That's my first point. Everyone is a keeper. There's no throwbacks. I used to love the fish as a young man. When my dad was pastoring in Hagerstown, Maryland, a guy would take me down to the Conica River, and we'd fish together. This is one of the end results. This is the keeper right here on the elbow. And uh, he said to me, he said, Rodney, don't get down on that slate. You're going to slip. Guess what Rodney did? He was a World War II veteran. We'd sit on the back road. Dad would be preaching, and he'd feed me Hall's cough drops. And uh, loved the man to death. And in that event, he took me fishing and I fell and busted that elbow. He looked at me and he says, "Well," very calmly. He says, "Well, let's go home." He didn't yell at me, "You stupid kid." Then he gets to the house. He looks at my dad and says, "Don't you think you need to take him to the hospital?" He needs stitches. So I went to the hospital, got six or eight stitches in my elbow, but he was cool, calm, and collective. That's what I remember about fishing. I remember catching them. Wasn't too many I'd throw back, but I know within the body of Christ, I look over this congregation today, and there's not one of you that I'll throw back. The devil wants to throw you back, but God doesn't. Everyone is a keeper. It is the Father's place to clean and correct. You catch them. He cleans them. He corrects them. Not me and not you. Today I'm only warning you. But it's the Father's place to correct you. That's the office of the pastor to give warning and give... You direction, but I can't correct you. Only God can. I get a little troubled when I'm within the church of Jesus Christ and I look around and see people that make themselves a deputy to God and try to bring law and order to people's lives. But I'm going to be very transparent with you today. I have a hard enough time with Rodney. I can't even fix Rodney let alone trying to correct and fix you. Let God do His work and do it perfectly within each and every one of our lives because everyone is a keeper. Everyone is a keeper in the face of deadbeat brothers and sisters. You didn't see that one coming, did you? We have within the body of Christ, maybe not in Lighthouse, but we have within the body of Christ deadbeat brothers and sisters What's that mean? Well, in society, a deadbeat dad is one who doesn't support his family, leaves the wife with all the kids to raise and to find a way to try to feed them and clothe them, and he's out doing whatever he wants to do down some alley or in some place. Within the body of Christ, and I don't preach every Sunday, and I'm sure you're glad because I preach... In a place here today, and I'm being really direct, and I feel God wants me to be that way. I need to guard in my life, in my heart, that God help me, that I will be a person, that I won't be a deadbeat brother and sister. Verse number 10 of Genesis chapter 4 says, His blood cries out to me, God said to Cain. I've written down, I pray that when I stand in eternity, no one's blood cries out because of me. Finger is pointed, I'm not serving God today because of what you did or didn't do. You hear what I'm saying today? You think, oh, maybe you're just pulling this out of the air. No, if you look in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 10 through 13, Paul was so conscious of this, he said there, For if someone with a weak conscience sees you and with all knowledge eating in the idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother and sister for whom Christ died is destroyed because of your knowledge. Within the King James Version, he said this. He said, If I eat meat that offends my brother, he said, I will not eat meat again. He says, because I am so concerned about the fragileness of that infant brother and sister in Christ. I've met some Christians that call themselves brothers and sisters in Christ and they have this mentality, well, they just need to get over it. May I just raise this question to you today? What if they don't? How's that going to square with God? What's going to take place within their life when all of a sudden they stand in eternity and they're no longer serving Him because I had to have it, as Frank Sinatra would sing, I did it my way. Well, the fact of the matter is simply because I do it my way doesn't always make it the right way. I'm being very transparent with you. The fact is within our lives, we as Christians need to be very careful because there's a weaker brother and sister that's watching you maybe looking to you for some guidance and direction and you may say well I don't give a fly and flip well can I say this to every one of our hearts today God does because that soul matters to him Jack invited me out to his house with others to have Dinner on Labor Day weekend. So he calls and he says, Hey, come out, eat. I will never pass up an opportunity to eat. Then he calls back and he says, Well, I got a hot tub. You want to get in it? Bring your trunks. My response to him was this I said, Well, Jack, it's like this, buddy. I come out there with my shorts on, you fix the meal. Once they see these legs, they ain't going to want (laughs) to eat. I got a left leg that's uh, discolored, got veins running here and there. looks like a road map. Simply because it looks that way, what am I going to do? Am I going to get it cut off? Hey, buddy, this thing's still working. I'm going to keep using it. You may meet a brother or sister within the body of Christ that may not be too appealing to you. You say, "Ooh, well, let me tell you something. They're working hard to be what they are in Christ. Leave them alone. I'm glad I live with this leg. I ain't going to the operating room, have them hack it off because it isn't a lot of Remember, Lana Turner had her legs insured for a million dollars. These things wouldn't get ten dollars. I mean, but guess what? (laughs) Hey, they work. They take me where I need to go and I say legs move and they move. Within the body of Christ, you may stand back and say, well, look at that one. They don't measure up. Well, who made you to be whatever? They measure up to God. They are a person of importance to Him, and they are a keeper. Cain said, am I my brother's keeper? Yeah, because that person's blood is crying out of the ground. And where's he at? You want the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me, God, I'll tell you straight up. Why do I preach the way I preach? And everybody's different. They have their own approach. But the fact of the matter is, when I stand before God, I've made it my mission, and I've been at this since 1976, that when you stand in eternity, you're not going to be able to point a finger at me and say, you didn't warn me. You didn't tell me! You didn't give me half a chance, preacher. I'm telling you right now with every one of our hearts. I have another message I preach, and I'm not preaching it today, but the Word of God is very clear. It says, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. I believe those tears that's going to be wiped away are Christians that are crying because of their mistakes they have made and how they have dealt with the sinner and the saint. And in order to live out through eternity, God wipes the tears from their eyes and says, it's okay. It's okay we go forward. But if I can within myself, I will do everything I can. Because every one of you here, every one of you here today, you're a keeper. You are value to God and it doesn't matter what anyone else says, God wants you with Him in eternity. You say, how do you know that? Because His Son's blood was spilt on Mount Calvary for each and every one of us today. And the church said, Amen. "Amen." I'm going to shift gears on you. I want you to not lose track of where I'm at in all of this. Since everyone is a keeper, let's do our best to be one. When I was working on the message yesterday, one of the best ways to be a keeper of your brother and sister, is to remember always that you were a keeper. If you never lose sight of that, there's a song I used to sing when I was a kid, and my mama made me sing. Show me where you brought me from and where I could have been. Remember, I am human and humans forget, so remind me. Remind me, dear Lord. We need God to remind us, no matter how he advances us in the kingdom of God, no matter how he blesses us in society, that within all of our lives, God let me forever make it indelibly ingrained within my brain that God, I am just a keeper saved by grace. You reached down and pulled me out of the miry clay. You pulled me out of filth and cleaned me up and made me to be what I am in today. And God help me not to forget that when I meet up with somebody that's just starting out within their journey. Because they look the same way coming out of where they are, but we tend to forget that. We tend to look at where we are, and they haven't got there yet. I'm going to date myself years ago when someone got saved. Partic- I, and I never understood this. Whenever a woman would come to the altar to get saved, there would always be those Pentecostal watchdogs. Meet that woman before she got to the first pew and tell her, the earrings, the rings, the makeup, the length of your dress... This stuff's got to go if you're going to be us. Brother Byler came to somewhere to speak in Potomac District. He was down in Virginia Beach, told a story of a church that was desperately needing a piano player. And it was down along the shore. This woman come in church one Sunday morning, all skimpy dressed, and come prancing up the aisle and set pretty much second front row. You know, there, everybody seen her. Everyone left her left her alone because she was going to be their piano player. She was a keeper that God brought in off the street. She hadn't got corrected and cleaned up by God yet, however that goes. And because everyone left her alone, she became the pianist of the church. Let me just say Rodney. Rodney, you don't know who you're messing with when you touch one of God's keepers. You don't know what his plan, his purpose, his design is for that person. And you go messing around and feeling you're going to bring correction and you're going to fix them. Just leave it alone and let God do his perfect work in their lives. And the church says amen. Amen. If we're going to be the best keeper we need to always remember that we were a keeper. What's a keeper mean in the Hebrew? The Hebrew means a keeper is one who stands guard. That person is guarded. I'm going to be your keeper and I'm going to guard you. I'm going to do my best to keep anything coming in. I'm going to stop it. I'm going to be through prayer, through encouragement, through whatever it takes. I'm going to be there on my watch guarding you. The other definition of that is to protect. I'm going to do my best to protect. I learned this off of a Hallmark movie, so don't feel too bad about this. This love story between this guy that was a fireman and anyway, this lady. And out of that it was, the firemen say, to go in a fire and two come out. You never leave your buddy in the fire. You rescue. You are willing to put yourself on the line to bring them out of the fire, whatever it is that they're going. And now if that is something that works at the firehouse, it should be something that works at lighthouse. Two go in and two come out. I'm not going to leave you there to burn up and to waste away. You're a keeper. And sometimes in that moment when that person is in the fire, they need to know you're a keeper and you're worth everything and we're going to risk it to see you rescued because you're of worth and value. As a keeper, I raise the question before you today, What's in your heart? He rescued you. He kept you. What's in your heart? September the 20th, at my office, front page, Philadelphia Inquirer, New Campus Classic, the Charles Library, to the tune of $175 million, Temple University. That $175 million library is due to one thing, 57 pennies. Hattie Mae Wyatt, 1886. She was just a little girl. One of those non-persons, nothing to make her stand out with the other little girls. She was not from a wealthy family, in fact, and she was from a poor family. I want to just pause a moment. This touched my heart when I read this. She was not from a wealthy family, in fact, she was from a poor family. Fifty-seven pennies were found under her pillow the night she died. This simple act had made a major indelible mark on the city of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The little girl had made an attempt to become part of Sunday school in Philly years ago and was told she could not come because there was no room for her. She began saving her pennies in order to help Sunday school have more room. Two years later, she became sick, and in a couple weeks, she died. Beneath her pillow was found a small, tattered book with 57 pennies and a piece of paper on which she pinned neatly to help build the little temple bigger, so more people could go to Sunday school. This little story and the purse with 57 pennies were brought to the pastor. If I remember, the writer says it was Reverend Russell H. Conwell, and he told the humble story to his congregation, and the newspapers picked up the story, took it across the country. This triggered a spontaneous wave of gifts and giving. Soon the pennies grew and grew, and today the final outcome of the 57 pennies We now see in the Philadelphia today the Little Temple Church had been replaced by a church that seats 3,300 people with lots of Sunday school. There is also a Temple University which accommodates and educates thousands of students. There is also Temple Hospital dedicated to humanity. It all began with a nameless little girl who set out to do something about a need. Her beautiful, unselfish, and dedicated attitude is what she started on this project. All it really takes in this life to begin making a difference is one person with concern and dedication to follow that example. What's in your heart?